Hey folks, welcome back to another Peach Pundit podcast, joined uh, by my good friends Buzz Brockway and Scott Turner. Yo. Uh, we took a week off last week because Buzz was feeling a little under the weather. Uh, Buzz, we're glad to see you're alive and healthy and doing well. And Glad and to be alive and much, healthy. Much better. Just remember to mute if you have to cough. Yes. <laughs> Scott. No, good to be back. Scott, it's good to see your pretty face. Oh, you're so sweet. <laughs> He's so sweet. I mean, we're. I think. I think in the spirit of our usual disagreements, we're going to start it right off with. I mean, what I don't think is a substantive disagreement. Right. It's just more of like a process disagreement. So yesterday, the United States House of Representatives passed legislation. It is uh, now. I have to go back and find the legislation. I think it was HR three zero zero five to remove remove the bust of Roger Taney, who wrote the infamous Dred Scott decision in 1857, as well as statues for people who voluntarily served in the Confederate states. Uh, so that's roughly seven statues around the Capitol, including one of Georgia's, the statue of Alexander Hamilton Stevens, uh, which is currently on display in the old House of Representatives chamber in Statuary Hall. Uh, for those of you who are not familiar with the United States Capitol building, each state can send two statues for display uh, inside inside the Capitol. Those are held in the old House of Representatives chamber, which is actually a really cool room if you ever have a chance to go into it, because you can whisper and hear it on the other side of the room if it's completely yeah. quiet around you. It's it's really awesome. Yep. Uh, and then the crypt, uh, as well as other there are other those are the main ones. There are other statues uh, elsewhere in the Capitol as well. Uh, but this this is this would this specifically targets uh, as particularly southern states like Georgia, Mississippi, who has Jefferson Davis as one of their two statues. Uh, there's one from North Carolina. There are uh, the statue of Robert E. Lee from Virginia uh, and so on. So uh, this bill passed. I mean, it, I mean, it passed. It passed easily ish uh, 285 to 120. Uh, every Democrat voted for it. Uh, every Democrat who was present and voting voted for it. 67 Republicans voted for it and 120 Republicans voted against it. 24 Republicans were not present for whatever reason. <clears throat> uh, just looking over some of the some of the votes that it does not appear that there were any Georgia Republicans uh, who voted for the bill. Uh, but there were uh, there were, again, 67 Republicans who voted for it. Uh one of the arguments that was made during the, this debate was from Congressman Barry Loudermilk, who who actually was in charge of the minority side of the debate. And based on everything I've seen and heard, Congressman Loudermilk made it pretty clear that he he actually think it sounds like he he believes the statues should be removed, but it should be done a certain way, which is through state action rather than Congress uh, saying these statues are no longer allowed. Um, I disagree. And he also complained about process as well, because the bill was never marked up uh, by committee and getting it through, go through the usual process. There were no hearings held or anything like that. It's just referral to the floor and that's it. And, and typically speaking, I, those arguments, I sometimes agree with them and sometimes don't. This is one of those areas where I typically I don't really agree with it. Scott, uh, you you actually, before you left the Georgia General Assembly, I think we've discussed this before on the podcast, you introduced a resolution to get rid of the statue of Alexander Stevens with a replacement for a replacement statue of Martin Luther King. Um, and that bill was not considered it, it. It You introduced it, I think, right after the legislature came back from COVID right. um, at my urging. 
Uh, mm -hmm. In fact, I think I was driving through Richmond, Virginia, oddly enough, yeah. when I called you and asked you to introduce introduce Give me that. the mic. Yeah, Let me so tell you the rest of the story. Scott, I'm going to turn it over to you because you got name dropped yesterday on the House yeah. floor. Which is a, a high watermark for my political career, by the way. But, um, by the way, you're, probably... you're welcome. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so for those of you who are, are uh, longtime listeners of, of this podcast, you know, you know, Jason and I argue quite a bit, but he called me one day and he said, you know, he let me know you're what seventh, eighth generation Georgian, Jason. And, and so something, he, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and he let me know his family history and why it was personal to him that every time he walked in the U S Capitol and he saw the statue of Alexander Hamilton Stevens, he had an emotional reaction and uh, you know, Alexander Stevens wrote uh, the cornerstone speech, which he said out loud, these words, these are his words, be very clear that he said that African-Americans were only good for slavery. Yeah. That's a loose paraphrasing, but it's pretty much the point. And that's the reason why it was important that the Confederacy secede from the U United States Union. And so, you know, there's a lot of the a lot of stories in history and a lot of people have this perspective that slavery wasn't the cause of the civil war. However, you have this guy who was the vice president of the Confederacy who we've honored as a state saying that black people are only good for slavery. Those were his words. And it was outrageous to me. You know, I read the speech. We were on our COVID break. We're on our COVID recess. We came back. It was after crossover day. So the bill wasn't going to go anywhere anyway. You know, I made a floor speech. My very last floor speech I ever made was about this resolution, asking for it to get special consideration beyond because of the environment that we're in. I thought it would be a healing moment for us to recognize this great human being and Martin Luther King Jr. and replace the statue. The number one advocate for me that when I introduced that bill, the very first phone call I got from anybody was from my own Congressman Barry Loudermilk. And Barry called me and said, I'm going to issue a press release unless you tell me no, saying I support this. And Barry has a history, uh, you know, Congressman Laudermilk has a history of trying to be ancillary towards the African-American community about history within our state. He introduced the Freedom Resolution while he was a, he was sitting, uh, a sitting senator in this state where he was he tried to publicly condemn the existence of slavery. The only Confederate state that has not done that is Georgia. And so he, he, has, he has over time considerably taken steps. Before there was this concept called woke, Barry was aware that history has had an impact on our current situation, our current society, and as it sits, and that there was healing that still needed to happen. He was recognized that years and years ago when he was in the Georgia legislature. So Barry goes to the floor yesterday and he mentions his support. He name dropped me, obviously. That's kind of cool. You know, I don't know how many people get name dropped during a floor speech by their congressman. Yeah, I was pretty stoked about that. But here's the reality is Barry supports the idea of, of replacing the statues. But his, his overarching point is, wouldn't it be better for society if states weren't forced into this, but they did it? And he pointed to some examples, like in North Carolina, where they have wanted to replace one of their statues since 2015, and they can't even get an organized meeting to move that proposal forward and it passed their Senate unanimously and their house overwhelmingly. So there's bipartisan, huge amount of bipartisan support to do it in North Carolina. And, and they've been waiting six years and they can't get it done. 
So his point was, let's let the states, it would be better if the states voluntarily did this and let them move forward. I mean, if you want to remove the statue, that's one thing. Choosing how to replace it is another. But overall, there is a process argument there that he objected to. Um, but that being said, and it's a, it's a nuanced argument, and I know we're not fans of nuance in our current political dialogue, but he, he completely supported me. He was on the record. He went on Fox News and CNN and did interviews on this particular issue advocating for what I was trying to do here. So I know he supports the concept. And, yeah. but, but you know I can't argue with the guy if he's looking at the process and saying there's a right way and a wrong way to do this. Because there's a lot of times as a legislator, and Buzz can talk about this too, there are examples of, well, I'm, I'm for that, but I don't want to break the legislative norms to get it done. Well, I mean, Buzz, I'll, I'll let you jump in here because I'm going to look up uh, something Milk said yesterday because I want to clarify one thing, but go ahead. Yeah, I mean, it is annoying that it is. Um, I mean, it is kind of the political climate we're in. You try to make an argument like Barry's trying to make, and what and and he's I think he's right on the on the merits of the idea. He and as as Scott has outlined, he's been a long supporter of this kind of thing. Uh, but you know what's trending on Twitter? 120 Republicans. This is the phrase that's trending on Twitter, and what's trending on Twitter is that 120 Republicans are against the removal of Confederate statues from uh from statuary hall in in washington so it, it's it's very difficult uh to have these kinds of conversations to talk about process it's really up to leadership uh to restore these to, to protect the institution of the congress and the institution of the senate and the uh, normal ways of doing things instead of uh instead of just breaking it uh to score political points which you know what seems to be going on here and, and, you know, and, and we'll see, I, I'm at, uh, Scott, maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, the resolution you, um, you introduced, uh, someone else picked up the ball and carried it this year, right? I mean, there was, there was an attempt. I, I don't, I, I, I'm sorry, I can't remember how far it went, but there was an attempt. It was approved by committee and it was to replace the statue of Stevens with the statue of John Lewis. Right. And it was, it was approved by committee and then it just sat in rules. Right. Yeah. It was not, it, it was never called before. There was never any Senate action on anything like that. Because um, I think there already is, I guess Georgia's kind of unique in that we technically have three because there is a statue of Martin Luther King within the Capitol, right? It's not one of ours, but it's, it is it's a there. bust. It was a, it's a bust and it was placed there by Congress. Uh, it was not placed there by the states. And so for me, there's a significant difference between a bust and a statue, first and foremost. Uh -huh. And the I second, I, I get that. Yeah, and the second part is, it, you know, the Statuary Hall is a place of honor. You know, the, one of the things people would hit me with is, you're trying to destroy history. No, I'm not. You know, I, I, in the resolution, we created a committee to find an appropriate place for the statue to be displayed in context of its meaning and and its cultural significance. Yeah, but but I mean, his 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 old house is off I-20 going towards Augusta. Send it there. Yeah. yeah. Well, we, we have a friend, uh, uh, Buzz and I have a friend who's who's offered to take it down to South Georgia and put it in his front yard. Uh, you know, uh, so I mean, there will be a, a there will be a home for it, and yeah. it's not being destroyed. And we're not destroying history because history happened. 
you know, what we're saying is there are Georgians who are more worthy of the honor of that particular spot. We only get two as a state. Yeah. And there have been and dozens have of forever. Georgians. I mean, state, been, you know, we swap them out all the time. There's plenty of Georgians worthy of, of Calif recognition. California replaced one of their statues with one of Ronald Reagan, which is my personal favorite in Statuary Hall because they included bits of the Berlin Wall in the pedestal. So he's literally standing on the Berlin Wall. And, and, <laughs> and so states do this, and they do it for people who are of high honor from their states. Yeah. And, and, I, and I cannot believe that since Alexander Hamilton passed away or since we started this tradition of putting these statues there, that there's no other Georgian that's more worthy of that honor than him. And there has to be. Yeah. So the other Georgian on display, the statue of the other Georgian on disp display is Crawford Long. Uh, that, oh. was that was placed in 1926. Uh, the statue of Alexander Hamilton Stevens was placed in 1927. Um, and and yeah, I mean, some look, some other like founding fathers, you have Connecticut has Roger Sherman, who was a who was a signer of the Declaration of Independence. You have Jonathan Trumbull, who those are both placed in 1872. Caesar Rodney from Delaware, another signer of the Declaration of Independence placed in 1934. I mean, these are these are people. Henry Kentucky has Henry Clay. Uh, you know, Maryland has Charles Carroll. You see the you see. And then Georgia has Alexander Hamilton Stevens and then Mississippi has Jeff Davis, which was placed in 1931. Uh, going back to, to Louder, uh, Congressman Loudermilk's comments, and, and look, I've, I've known Barry since roughly 2004. He's a great guy. I, you know, and I, I'm not, uh, his, I think his point here, uh, so he's making two separate process arguments. The first one is, because I'm looking here, uh, he says, this bill, uh, this bill was rushed to, to the floor without a hearing or markup in the committee on the on House administration. Okay, you have voted for bills that have been rushed to the floor without markup or hearing. Like you, when you're, it depends on which party's in power. You have voted for those bills, so I, that argument is not one I am sympathetic to. Although I get it, and yes, it is irregular because it, theoretically, at least, irregular because you're going outside the normal legislative process. Happens all the time, regardless of which party's in power. And I would put my next paycheck on it that he has voted for bills that were not marked up or were not subject to hearing. So there's that. Now his other process argument that that there is a committee. It's not just it's not the house. Uh, it's it's the website for this committee is housed by the House uh, Administration Committee, and it's actually called the House Committee on House Administration. Um, but there is a there's a joint committee of Congress on the library, and that is a bipartisan bicameral committee that, according to its website, has not had a meeting since 2019. So we're talking, you know, uh, we're talking uh, two years, uh, two years, yeah, April 30th, uh, 2019, according to this website. They actually have a, a, at least one member listed who is no longer in Congress. That's Senator Pat Roberts, who served on the committee in the last Congress. He retired. They told uh, me if I voted for Trump, chaos would continue in the Congress. And they were right. And they were right. So I guess I guess I guess my, my point to all this is, is like, yeah, sure. Like if North Carolina, as Congressman Loudermilk has passed a resolution, if Georgia next year as a Republican election year ploy to to win some support from uh, black voters, uh, votes on their resolution to uh, votes on the state's resolution to remove the statue of Stevens or replace it with one of John Lewis. Yeah, the committee's going to have to consider those because states are taking action individually. I'm certain that the statue of Robert E. Lee, given the current political makeup of Virginia, would be recalled and they would replace it with someone else. So there are there are things. I mean, the committee does need to get its act together. I don't disagree. But even if the committee gets its act together, it should I think still amend law to prohibit 
the placement of these statues, as well as to get rid of the bust of Roger Taney that's sitting in the old Supreme Court chamber and currently inside the Capitol. Yes, among the other things, there is a the old Supreme Court chamber is in also in the Capitol, uh, and there is a bust of, of Taney in there. Uh, but that was before the Capitol. The I think yeah, I think before the the Supreme Court met in the old Senate chamber. Um, so and before they all moved across the street, but. Yeah, I mean, I, I think of those things as an affront. I don't, emotional is probably the wrong way to say it. I mean, like emotional, I think of like, you know, I'm sitting there crying. I'm, it's got, no, well, <laughs> no, I'm, no, I'm, te- I'm teasing, I'm teasing. Yeah, yeah. that's Shook. not what I meant. Anno- I, you know, annoyed, I get annoyed. It, 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 it pisses me off. You know, you may not uh, be in touch with your emotions, but <laughs> being annoyed is an emotion. So, yeah. You say emotion. You say emotional, and given the fact that I grew up listening to a lot of emo music, that's well, listen. I, I just hear I'm you teasing you, Scott. I'm teasing. I, I just hear you say you hate so many things, and hate <laughs> is an emotion. Hate you know, is. I, I I use hate and dislike interchangeably. Right. Yeah. Well. But, buzz. Yeah. And you well, say you I dislike mean, or hate a lot of things. I'm just saying. I hate you right now, but yeah, I know conversation, you do. this whole conversation about history and the appropriate appropriateness of of uh, statues and other forms of public recognition is one that we in the South have needed to have for a long time. And I think Governor Kemp just recently uh, appointed somebody to head the Stone Mountain Association who is going to take a look at this. There's going to be some more. There's going to be a change at Stone Mountain. It's going to include uh, the other side of the story, uh, rather than just being a Confederate memorial, it's going to start to tell us stories about, you know, what what was going on in the lives of African Americans at that time, and it, it, that's appropriate. That's that should have happened a long time ago, and so to me, this is this is kind of part of that debate. What statues that the state of Georgia sends to to, to put on display in in the Capitol uh, should be part of that debate. And yeah, it's time for Stevens to come to come back home. Uh, so that's that's appropriate. And, I, and just on a personal note, a few weeks back, my family and I went up to Nashville. We ended up uh, going to, <coughs> excuse me, uh, Bell Mead Plantation, which uh, is famous for uh, horse racing. Many many of the Kentucky Derby winners uh, come from a direct line from uh, horses that were there. Uh, but there's uh, the display there made note of that. Yes, it was. A, uh, a plantation during the during the antebellum time during the Civil War. The person who owned the house ended up going to jail because he was part of actively supporting the Confederacy. Uh, but at the same time, it told the story of African Americans were there. And what you find is the uh, the person who was the horse trainer, and I'm, I'm sorry, I'm forgetting his name, uh, is legendary. He's an Af- he was an African American guy. He was a slave on the property, and then became a free man and stayed there and became legendary and still to this day legendary in the horse racing uh, world because of the work he did as a uh, as a horse master those kind of stories should be told everybody should know that story well go to monticello i mean i went to monticello last summer and and yeah. you i mean you can't i mean you can't walk five feet without without getting the story of of jefferson yeah. and his slave sally hemmings and the 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 kid the children he had with sally hemmings uh, you know, you, and same thing with the Jefferson Memorial in Washington D.C. There's, yeah. there's, they have the, the quotes around the pillars, and you have that one, one quote uh, as it relates specifically to, 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 to slavery. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's, you know, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm in agreement that, I mean, obviously, I think anybody who, who reads what I tweet or reads what I say when I talk about this, this particular issue, it's something I'm highly sensitive to, you know. But, but I also recognize my, my family's history. 
I know that my ancestors fought on the side of the CSA. I know that my ancestors, uh, at least some of my ancestors, own slaves. They own people as property. It's not something I'm particularly proud of. I can't help it, but it's not something I'm proud of. And I, I do think we have to acknowledge the mistakes of our past, the stains on our past, and try to rectify those wherever we can. And and part of that is is acknowledging that these statues, whether they're in the town square of Covington, Georgia, because uh, there there's a hot debate over the the one the statue here in Covington. Uh, you know, I, I know there was one taken down in Decatur. I think there have been other cities around the state where they, those statues have been removed. Uh, that they're highly offensive to a large segment of our population. And we're, I mean, depending on, depending on the area, it could be a, you know, a majority community of people of color. It could be, it could be, you know, 30% black. It could be whatever, but it's offensive to them. And we should, we should be working and, and, and trying to make amends and recognizing the, the stains in our history and trying to make sure they never happen again. And that means learning from our history and making sure they never happen again. Right. I mean, when it comes to the Confederate um, statues, I don't want to see them destroyed. You know, I, I just want there to be proper context around them. And they don't necessarily deserve a spot of honor anymore. Yeah. You know, there was a time and place for that. That time has passed. We need to move on. There are other places. There are other people who are more worthy of those honors in those places. And let's let's maintain them let's preserve them but let's also tell the whole story as buzz is saying you know uh you know, these there are people who fought for the csa for different reasons than just slavery and we can acknowledge that and there are people who believe that they were just trying to leave right yeah. and and we can acknowledge that that's part of the story but let's tell the whole story yeah and and, and when we when we just have a statue without context and or it doesn't mention the other side of the story then yeah it can become offensive to people um but let's i mean if you put it in like the stone mountain thing i really hope that we can tell the whole story you know and also the story of why people thought it was appropriate to carve that into the side of this you know unique geological feature you know let's tell that story too and 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 tell the whole thing, awards and all. Let's just make it a giant museum that tells, and then, then the, the person who is experiencing it can walk away with the full picture. And I think that's completely appropriate. And it, and that's the direction that we need to happen. Preserve, but tell the whole story. Yeah. People need to stop identifying or like, that's the thing I've never understood. Again, my family going back to the, to the late, or excuse me, well, late, I guess, 18th century, early 19th century in Georgia, I've never understood why we have chosen to identify so hardly or so 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 uh, passionately, at least collectively, with this Confederate identity, because it's to me it's it's it's, it's shameful, and because you look not at to them though. But no, I, I know I understand. I know I understand it's not to them. I mean, I know where I come. I know where my who my ancestors are too. But at the same time, it's like, I also understand that they were wrong. And it doesn't like simply saying, well, you know, this was their time. It was, it was not, I mean, yeah, it's an oversimplification. That's, that's, a, that's a, that's a, that's a big oversimplification. Like a yeah, hundred years before you had Jefferson acknowledging, in fact, in fact, the early drafts of the declaration of independence didn't just include condemnation of the slave trade. It included condemnation of slavery itself. Right. Yeah, you know, I think the uh, the Meacham biography um, on American uh, Sphinx. Uh, well, no, on on Jefferson, the 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 biography of Art of Power. Oh, okay. You know, it explores how a guy who loves human liberty so much could also have uh, the the opposing 
viewpoint of owning humans as slaver as slaves as property and you know it, it, it's really a fascinating it's one of the better biographies um that you, i've read on presidents uh, and jefferson happens to be one of the more fascinating characters to me in history text me that after the the podcast because i think i would like to buy that one i have the, i have uh the american sphinx which is really good but i don't I, think i, I I will be happy to lend you my copies right over there. I have a bad, I have a, I have a bad tendency not to give books back. So you should just text me so I can go buy my, I, I, I can have go buy a hard my. copy and I have the audio book. So, <laughs> uh, so in other Georgia related news, we're getting sued by the, by the, by the, by the, by the, by the federal government, the department of justice has filed a lawsuit against the state of Georgia over SB 202. So, which one of you guys wants to lead us here? Because I have not looked into this at all. <laughs> Let Buzz take the lead on this one. Well, um, <clears throat> excuse me. Dan McLaughlin in National Review had, a, I think, a pretty good article about it. Um, yeah, we all know the the complaints about that bill, the the uh, objections that uh, folks such as Stacey Abrams and Democrats have registered. There's already a number of lawsuits against the bill already. Uh, but what what McLaughlin makes the point, and I think this is a pretty interesting one, there's a pending case in the Supreme Court that will be ruled upon, I guess, the, I guess this week, maybe as early as, as tomorrow, uh, that deals with two aspects of this bill. The Brnovich case. Yes, coming out of Arizona. The deal, so And McLaughlin's making the case that this was politically motivated, shocker, uh, the Merrick Garland, uh, may rest in peace, uh, not on the Supreme Court, but now be acting very politically in the, uh, uh, borrow that from Comfortably Smug there, but um, it seems to be very political, uh, politically motivated. And in McLaughlin's view in his article in National Review, not really on firm legal ground. And you might have two of the aspects of the big parts of that lawsuit knocked right out from under you before, um, before you ever get going this week. So, uh, it, it's it's a mess, and I think, you know, <coughs> excuse me, it, it's it's to me, there's already plenty of lawsuits about about this that have been filed by local groups and other groups um, to fight out the various aspects of, of this law. Why the federal uh, government decided to get involved seems silly to me, and uh, probably has more to do with trying to make the case you know, either either anger that they can't get uh, HR1 or AS, you know, House 1 or S1 passed or an attempt to build momentum uh, to try to get something like that passed in the future. So yeah. anyway, that's my take on it. Uh, our friend Wes Cantrell had an interesting post. Uh, you know, he, he has pointed out time again, uh, as well as other members of the legislature who voted for SB202, how the features of SB202, which have been maligned in the media and by the left, um, do not pay attention to the fact that even with the passage of SB 202, there are more uh, objective stats that you can point to that say that voting in Georgia is easier and more accessible than they than they are in Delaware, as an example. Or you know, you, you we have ex we have maintained uh, no excuse absentee ballot applications, as an example here in Georgia and Delaware. There are there is no concept of no excuse absentee ballot applications right. so it's more it's easier today to vote in georgia than it is in delaware and so what are you pointing to that makes georgia's law as it sits today with sb202 more restrictive 
than other states, but like the home state of the president of the United States, Joe Biden. And, and so I, I, it'll be interesting to see how this lawsuit plays out. But to me, it seems like it's nothing more than a political ploy to keep it up in the front of people's minds and say, oh, yeah, go DOJ, you know, sue those sneaky Republicans. But it's yeah. not there's no objective number. There's no objective fact. There's no objective feature that they can point to and say that voting in Georgia as a result of SB 202 is harder than it is in other states. And so when Georgia goes and makes it a defense on this case in federal court, they're going to point to the selective prosecution of Georgia and say, you, why are you picking on us? And I think they're going to have a, a really strong uh, case to, to stand on in that. Case. So just I think look um, a, a, another thing, a last point I'll make, I think it's probably also a shot across the bow to other states that might be considering legislation. Uh, Texas, I believe, attempted to pass some. There was some uh, maneuvering uh, by the Democrats that may have blocked it. So it may may have to go uh, uh, be taken up in a special session. Um, other, a few other states have passed stuff. So I think it's, a, I think it's also a shot across the bow to states saying, if you pass uh, bills that we don't like, we're coming after you. So just so you guys know, the, so the Supreme Court ends its, summer uh, ends its term tomorrow. So this case, this opinion will come down tomorrow. And consider the source here. This comes from Jennifer Rubin at the Washington Post. I actually am a subscriber to the post, uh, but I do Joe not. Joe Biden's favorite reporter, apparently. Yeah, I am not a Jen Rubin fan, like in the least bit. Jen Rubin, Jen Rubin says that the the Department of Justice's case has been Brnovich proofed, which means that that the lawsuit. <laughs> again, this is according to Jen Rubin. What does that so, mean? I don't. I, I don't. I'm not familiar with this term. This, so this is this is this is what the Washington Post. So this is not Jim Rubin block quotes this from another post story. She says, given the or the article says, given the bent of the court, there are concerns that will create a more rigorous standard for Section two challengers to meet than the, quote, results, unquote, close quote, t uh, test uh, that the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Ninth Circuit used to invalidate two restrictive Arizona provisions. The results test requires plaintiffs to establish that the challenge provision has a discriminatory impact on minorities which is explained by the jurisdiction's history of discrimination. In Brnovich, the court could replace this discriminatory impact test with a more stringent test, excuse me, with a more stringent one that uh, requires proof of intentional discrimination to invalidate a new law. The Justice Department pointedly accuses Georgia, the Georgia legislature of intentional discrimination against minority voters. Yeah, McLaughlin talks about that in his article and uh, points to other cases that have, um, it, for example, uh, Alabama's since since this case will be filed in the 11th Circuit, uh, the 11th Circuit has upheld Alabama's uh, voter ID law, uh, showing that while it may uh, slightly impact African Americans more than others, uh, that does not rise to the level that's required by how the Supreme Court has ruled on these things before. So, uh, I, I think um, it, 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 with all due respect to uh, the great leading conservative Jen Rubin. I think she's full of it there. It's, uh, it's, um, th th this, this, this lawsuit's in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, we'll see. I mean, the lawsuit's going to go through, it's, it's going to go through the process. It's going to go through the district court process, the appellate court process, and then it'll head to the Supreme court. So we'll have an answer in two years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's just a political ploy. I mean, it's meant to continue to, to, churn and foment dissent and and division 
So bringing it back home, because we got a few local things to discuss before we before we call it a day. Uh, so the ex-president of the United States, uh, Donald Trump, uh, gave was it a, during a, a, an interview with Clay, the Clay, and, no, Clay Travis and Buck Sexton show. Uh, apparently, Trump said, quote, Walker told me he's going to run. And I think he will. Close quote. Uh, he said he had dinner dinner with a week dinner with him a week ago. He's a great guy. He's a patriot. He's a very loyal person, which is really all Trump cares about. Now this comes on the heels. Scott, you posted this what mid month uh, that Walker had had post tweeted a, a, a you know a, a vague, vague tweeted a very vague tweet. He vague which, tweeted in which he said Georgia on my mind. He was revving up a car. He gets out of the the car. He says I'm getting ready and we can run with the big dogs. Whatever the hell that means. Well, and he had a he had a Georgia license plate on the, the back of his car. It, but, it could just mean he's excited about spring practice at UGA. I mean, yeah. who knows? Yeah, uh, who, I don't think that's it. I, who knows? You know, but like I, but oh, come this, on. The writing's this, on the this... wall, boys. The writing's on the wall. No, but yeah, but like well, has yeah. He, has anybody elicited a statement from Her Herschel Walker saying, yes, he's thinking about it. Uh, he's not 100 percent in. He's thinking about it and he will decide very soon. But he so the car, the car he was in had a Georgia license plate. We don't know if it was actually his car or someone else's car, whatever the case may be. Uh, but as far as we know, he's not moved back to Georgia. Right. Well, I mean, we don't, we don't know that he, we don't know that he has. He called he called the car by a nickname. He said, I call this car the Hulk in his little video. You know, and and uh, he ready, you know, and, and and I'm getting ready. And then he shows his license plate on the back of the car. I think he <laughs> probably moved to Georgia, bro. I'm just saying. Uh, maybe he did. Maybe he didn't. But like, you know, I'm just saying. Maybe I'm just, he didn't. I, but I think the writing is on the wall here. May, may, maybe it is. But I mean, <laughs> as far as we know, he hasn't. Last we heard, he was a resident of Texas. And that's pretty much that. Right. But I mean, I also know right now we have only a handful of candidates. We have Kelvin King, who's who, like Herschel Walker, is black. We have we have uh, Latham Sadler, who was a backbench staffer inside of the inside of the uh, the, the Trump White House. Uh, we have who else? Kelly Leffler may or may not run. Buddy Harry Carr, black, the ad commissioner, Harry black, black is, is is running, and he says who, he's running whether Herschel is or not. Who who has won statewide three times now? Uh, we have we have Buddy Carter, who probably isn't running if Herschel Walker runs. Right. So the, very quickly, the, it's starting to become a crowded field, and yeah. and if, if especially if Walker does announce, so it's going to be pretty interesting come uh, come next year. So Eric Erickson in his uh, newsletter this morning, I thought made a really good point uh, the, uh, of of warning for for candidate like Herschel Walker. These celebrity candidates come along. Herschel's not familiar with the political landscape and how things work. Grifters will come out of the woodwork to try to suck up his money and won't really give a crap whether Herschel uh, makes a fool of himself or runs a credible campaign. I mean, I, I think, look, I, I'm, I'm a Georgia Tech fan, okay? So I am, this, is, this is in no way meant disrespectfully to Herschel Walker. He, he's got a lot of selling to do to me. He's gonna he's gonna really have to convince me, because what I'm what I'm interested in as a as now just a run of the mill backbench Republican you know guy who has no stroke, uh, I want to know can he beat Raphael Warnock, and can can he hold up what does he stand for, can he do this job, and can he give a credible run to Raphael Warnock, and I I don't I don't know we'll, we'll, time will tell whether he can do that or not.
and don't forget the oppo book on on walker is going to be you know there's going to be things in there that are gonna they're going to be pretty hard punches if you are if you're buddy carter and you saw the tweet of Herschel Walker revving his car and getting out and walking to the back saying, I'm ready. He's ready. We ready. And he see that, that license plate. What's the thought you have if you're buddy Carter? Well, it looks like I'm running for reelection in the house. Oh, <laughs> damn. <laughs> oh, damn. <laughs> I mean, I mean, that's I, somewhere. Buddy Carter went oh, crap. <laughs> now i'm stuck in the house i'm on an a committee energy and commerce that really can't do i mean he's only got one committee assignment and that's it energy and commerce which which ain't a bad committee to be on on it's a pretty it's a pretty powerful one as far as things go in the house of representatives it's like that and ways and means and pretty much that and ways and means you know <laughs> um, so but i mean look there, there there are worse gigs to have but he's gonna have to wait a while but Ossoff will be up for re-election in 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 what 2026 so you know oh it's yeah half a decade away we're fine <laughs> this is fine so this is before, this, this is fine as, this, as, this, as the, the the fire you know comes up around me before we leave this subject jason you, as our resident university of georgia expert president trump former president trump raised i i you know something that i'm very interested in he talked about how they georgia has the ballad there are the ballads about herschel walker and that people in Georgia sing them all the time, uh, it, daily. It sounds like. Uh, can you please, can you please sing a few bars ballot. for us, Jason? Would you please just yeah. hum a few I mean, bars? Is this, is this I, something that happens? Some secret ritual that happens in, during tailgates in Athens, or what? What's tell us what you know, Jason? Sing the song, I, I, Jason. I, I, I know of no such song, although I am googling, and there is a dog on dogs twenty four seven. Somebody says, somebody writes. Does anybody remember the song that was played during every game? Uh, every that, that is horrible sentence fragmentation. Uh, when Hershel, when a Herschel play was being called. It's UGA, Jason. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's that's fair. Uh, uh, so anyway, maybe there was a song. I'm not aware of it. Of course, I was like weeks old when Georgia won the national championship in, in 1980. So there's that. So. Uh, I know of no such ballad. Well, um, Donald Trump knows the song. He's familiar with it, and maybe I want to hear him sing it. Yeah, maybe yeah. Uh, he can come when he comes down here to campaign for, or comes up here from from Mar-a-Lago to campaign for Herschel. He'll he'll sing it for us. I and, need to hear Donald Trump singing the ballad to Herschel Walker. That's but, that's on my bucket list now, and I'm I'm sorry, it's involuntary. It had to go on there. So um, <laughs> so maybe maybe because it is oh this doesn't have his USFL stats so maybe maybe it followed uh, Herschel from Georgia to wherever he played at in the USFL so they, because well, because New Jersey, New Jersey yeah it was a New New Jersey New York yeah Generals yeah yeah that's right that's right and Trump owned the team yeah and then he ran the league into the ground yeah and look that's where the connection with with Trump and Walker comes from is right. uh, uh, he uh, he lured him away Trump lured him away from the NFL he's one of those. I mean, one of the early really huge college stars that decided to go to the USFL uh, instead of the NFL, and Herschel got a ton of money to do that. So I got I got some news for you guys. Uh, Georgia wants its 16 electoral college votes back. At least that's what State Senator Brandon Beach says. Yes, uh, he says we want our like he and he says we could do it via the 12th Amendment because uh, I wonder which version version he's looking at because I don't see it in my copy of the Constitution. Brandon. Uh, Brandon, which that's is not right. Brandon, here, by the way, 
Brandon, <laughs> that's not how this works. That's not how any of this works. <laughs> yeah, there, there was video apparently there uh, uh, earlier this week, or maybe it was last week. There was a conference, a Women for Trump conference in Atlanta, and uh, a talk show host named John Fredericks was interviewing. Who uh, is who is who is batshit crazy? Sorry, go ahead, go ahead, Buzz. Guano, interviewing Guano. Senator Beach and uh, talking about audits, which I, I mean, I get maybe I'm wrong. I, I don't know. There's not an audit currently taking place in the state of Georgia, is there? There, Rico has a lawsuit to try to start one, right? They were trying to get an audit done down in Henry County, and they filed a lawsuit there. It was assigned yeah. to Judge Brian Amaro, who's been on the who's been on the bench in, in Henry County since maybe two thousand six. Yeah, yeah, something so, like that. Yeah. So anyway, I, I, you know, it it it, it all kind of to me ties in with this QAnon thing that uh, that Trump apparently believes that uh, he will be that you know Georgia and Arizona and the other states will. Uh, find so much fraud that they'll <coughs> withdraw their electoral votes and uh, Trump will then be uh, you know reinstated as president so uh, it's it's to I don't know, it's, to me it's kind of sad to see uh, Brandon Beach who I think is an otherwise you know ha has been credible uh, worked hard on various issues that he's very passionate about not a dumb guy uh, but he's you know playing around with this kind of stuff. And that's, that's sad to see in my mind. Well, there's so much I could say. Do I really want to though? Y yeah, you do. <laughs> I mean, look, Brandon is a panderer. Um, that's it. That's just it. You know, he introduces messaging bills mm -hmm. with no intention of ever getting them passed. You know, he had a messaging bill last year that would have um, prevented out of state students yeah, from receiving uh, scholarships to attend Georgia schools, mm -hmm. nothing he, nothing he uh, actually intended to pass. Like he didn't really put a lot of muscle behind it. He just wanted something to campaign on. Yeah, uh, and that's what he does. He's a panderer. And I guess so we should look. Just we should disclose, Scott, you and I, that we are close friends with and we're big supporters of Michael Caldwell. Yes, who uh, while uh, who ran for the state senate. Yes at the time to fill the vacancy that Brandon was creating by running for Congress. Yeah, we can, and then we can when Brandon, say that, yes. Yeah, and however. And, yep, then Brandon decided not to run and we uh, yeah. maintained our loyalty to our friend. Uh, well, but that's not where my disgruntlement with Brandon Beach comes from. I served in the same legislative delegation as him. Yeah. And what I saw time and time again is somebody who was completely comfortable in his own skin saying one thing in public while campaigning and and acting differently when he entered the chamber in the in the state senate, uh, and and that's what he does. You know, he'll stand in front of a crowd and he can give a great speech about how a hardcore Republican conservative he is, and then at the end of the day, he's willing to sell out for whatever reason. And and that's the truth, man. I and I hate to say it, I hate to say it, and I hate to be the one that has to say it. Um, but my my um, lack of respect for his work was seated well before he decided to jump back in a state Senate race. It had to do with the fact that time and time again, he sold out to whoever was the highest bidder at the time. And right now the highest bidder are Trump supporters who want to believe that the election was stolen and not lost. 
and that there must be fraud and that the president could not have possibly lost under any other circumstances because they love him so much. And so Brandon doesn't have any love for Trump. Brandon has love for Brandon. And so what he's doing right now, very transparently, frankly, is feeding into this idea that he is the champion for, for Trump because he recognizes that there are people who will go to bat for him because of that. Yeah. And, well, and, and then I guess if since we're speculating here, uh, it's, you know, his how does that play Scott in his state Senate seat, which then begs the question, you know, why is he playing so hard to this? I can't imagine the Fulton side of his district is so, is all geeked up about the, this. The only the, the only thing that makes sense, Buzz, is he's planning he's planning to move up. I mean, this yeah, is but not in the sixth congressional district, right? This is not going. This is not the campaign. No. This is not the platform you build to go take on Lucy McBath, right? No, the, no. the, the rumor oh, that right. I'm hearing is that he's planning on running to replace Jody Heiss. That's what oh. I'm hearing. I mean, he yeah. doesn't have to live in the district, but that's a stretch. Yeah, yeah it is a well, stretch because then you kick into how, you know, Brandon's longtime, very um, uh, passionate support for transit. Uh, how, do, how is that going to, at, you know, uh, that's not going to work in the the tenth. Going to think about that. Yeah, that's, that's not going to work in, in the, Walton County. That's yeah, that's not going to work out in Walton County. That's not going to work. Yeah. That's not going to work literally anywhere between between Walton County and the, yeah. the South Carolina state oh, so line. It's yeah. it's the most rural of rural. Good. Yeah. You know, Buzz asked the question about his current seat and how it sits. You know, the other I, I live in Cherokee County. I love my community. That we are Trump supporters here. Period. There is no more to discuss. Uh, we love our, our Donald Trump here in Cherokee County. I'm not making apologies for it because the people here do, in fact, support the former president of the United States. And there are there is a strong section of our activists who continue to support the president, the former president. And Brandon wants their support. He's never had it before. He's never had it before. He, he's always had to go outside of the the hardcore Republicans that are in Cherokee County in order to get his support. He's always going to the ancillary groups, never within the party, but he's been showing up to, to Cherokee County Republican Party meetings lately, and they've been cheering him as a hero. Yeah. So well, he, maybe he, it could this be is a simple explanation, right? Yeah, I mean, they're going to love be, him for it. Yeah, it could just be but, he's, uh, uh, you know, batting down, you know, uh, uh, shoring up the uh, GOP base to fend off a potential challenge. So, But here's the problem. As a leader of people yeah. that you need to, at certain point, be honest with them about what yeah. is happening. Okay. You, there are so many people who honestly, they, they honestly believe the election was stolen. We have to recognize that that is what they believe. Okay. Regardless of how they got to that point of view. And a lot of them live in my neighborhood. A lot of them live in my district and the Senate district where I live as well. And so at a certain, you know, I think, as a leader, though, you're obligated to try to lead people towards truth. But Brandon is so scared of his shadow of losing an election that he's not willing to go out on a limb to advocate for truth if it's not popular. And the, you know, look, these days, you don't have to go out and try to confront that. You don't have to go out and stand, go to the Cherokee GOP meeting and saying, you're all idiots for believing the election. No. You don't have to do that. Right. All you have to do is say, folks, we're focused on 2022. We gotta def we gotta protect you know keep the governor's mansion. We gotta defeat Warnock. I mean, it, it's you know we gotta stop Biden and his crazy gen. That's all you gotta do. 
And we're back. Sorry about that. We had a, I had a technical glitch on my end that uh, caused me to accidentally hit stop. Uh, so sorry. It, I guess Buzz. It was no. the it was the NSA. We know. Yeah, they got tired of spying on Tucker Carlson, so they're coming after us now. That is that is indeed what happened. So we need far more interesting lives, anyway. <laughs> Moving on to our 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 final segment, I do have one more thing I would like to note at, towards the end of the podcast. Moving on to our final segment, uh, State Senator Tyler Harper has announced his campaign for the Republican nomination for Agriculture Commissioner. As we already noted, Gary Black is running for United States Senate. Uh, so that has opened up that that particular uh, uh, office uh, statewide. Uh, I don't really know much about Tyler Harper other than he he's he got elected first in November 2012. He uh, chairs the Natural Resources and Environment Committee in the Senate and is ex officio of Agriculture and Consumer Affairs, which is a uh, ha- is going to have. I mean, he would have obviously that has jurisdiction over a lot of the stuff he'll be he'll be uh, covering as Agriculture Commissioner. So. Guys, you you probably know him better than I do, so I'll let uh, I'll let Buzz go first here. Yeah, Senator Harper, I think has uh, earned a lot of respect with people uh, from my from my viewpoint. Earned a lot of respect for people from the uh, uh, during his time there in the Senate. Um, he's not a, a not a bomb thrower. Uh, he, he seems to work very hard on legislation that he really cares about, and he has spent a lot of time at. You know, working on legislation uh, that impacts uh, his district there in, in 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 South Georgia, and so I think uh, you know, it, it, I don't know that he's a farmer himself, although he did uh, graduate from uh, ABAC, and so I, I think you know he he knows a little bit, at least a little bit about what he's talking about. And anybody who grows up down there knows farmers, knows farming, so I think he'll be able to speak credibly uh, on these issues and. Uh, I would expect that he'd be a very formidable candidate. I have no idea who else might get into this race, but I would think that that Senator Harper would be a very formidable candidate. Yeah, uh, Tyler Harper. Um, I like Tyler a lot. Yeah, I think he's a great guy. Uh, he. This is a surprise to no one here at Peach Pundit that he's decided to get in this race. We've been talking about this for quite some time. Our little rumor mill had spit his name out for this for. Uh, Ages ago, uh, we let everybody know that he was considering a run. He was at the state convention. Um, he hosted a hospitality suite where he was indicating that he was going to do something, and this makes the most sense, obviously. Uh, he actually ran his announcement video, I thought, was extraordinarily well done. Yeah. Uh, he he, uh, he uh, uses the verbiage uh, he, he lifted the, the verbiage from it takes a farmer um, yeah. who was the old guy he used to and um, good day uh, the old radio Paul guy Paul Harvey yeah, yeah. so Par- Paul Harvey had a piece called it takes a farmer and he lifts it and he you know over the images of him in South Georgia talking with farmers and what have you and he is an ABAC graduate our state constitution has a, a little quirk about the agriculture commissioner uh, that they must have a practical farming they must be a practical farmer in order to hold that position to be qualified for the position and so being an abac graduate would certainly help him and his bona fides for that he is um he's going to be very formidable but i think it also if i could segue a little bit in redistricting it'll create an opening down there that allows those south georgia house members to kind of have some flexibility in considering whether they want to run for the state senate yeah. uh, guys like um Sam Watson or mm-hmm. uh, Dominic Larickia, 
Yeah. Who's one of the governor's house floor leaders mm -hmm. or even a, a Clay Perkle um, yeah. who is down that way. Having the ability and the flexibility to be able to have that as an option as we go into redistricting is going to create uh, some flexibility for them. So maybe they don't have to run against each other down there because mm -hmm. they're going to have to contract somewhat in their numbers. Yeah. And uh, so that's an ancillary benefit to, to Tyler running for the Republicans in South Georgia. Yeah. Well, and the final thing I want to bring up is, uh, I don't know about you guys, but it's been really hard for me to get meetings or take meetings in Washington, D.C. on the Hill. But last week, I had my first meetings on the Hill in more than a year. Wow. And that, it was so I had to put my suit on, which was a little snug. Uh, I may not, I may not have caught COVID-19, but I certainly gained the COVID-19 <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, but I had, I had four meetings, uh, on last, um, last Wednesday and actually in, as well as two meetings with, uh, with senators, uh, senators Grassley, Senator Paul, that was a lot of fun, uh, to go back on the Hill and to walk around, uh, the Russell building. And well, I guess we were Russell Dirksen and Hart. We did all three still haven't been on the house side in a while, but, uh, when I grow up, can I follow you around? <laughs> no <laughs> you got to keep up your name has been said on the, the floor of the house of representatives <laughs> mine mine has not the best i've gotten is the house judiciary committee well pro probably nancy <laughs> pelosi has googled you scott and now there's a, a picture of your face uh at the security stations yeah. and the the public the, enemy number 7003 yeah. I'll, I'll tell you what scott one of these days uh when you find yourself with a free week why don't you come up to dc with me i drive you can just meet me at my house we'll drive up to dc and you can come hang out on the hill with me for a little bit uh accepted really let's make that happen yeah no questions yeah. asked let's make okay. it happen all right. Yeah. I mean, I'll have to, I'll, I'll clear it with my roommates. Make sure you can stay with me there. They, they were, my, my sister came with me last week. It's actually really cool. My sister, it was her first trip to Washington DC. She had never been before. She's 10 years older than I am. So she's 50. And uh, she had never been to DC. Everything is not, everything is open. You have to get tickets to stuff. The, the Smithsonian's are still closed. At least they were closed as of last week. Uh, she did get tickets to Smithsonian zoo uh, and but she, she ended up just walking around and seeing monuments. She went to Arlington. I took her to the Jefferson Memorial, which is my favorite memorial in Washington, D.C. Um, did, and which is why I had the fresh memory of what quotes were, yeah. were, were, uh, were displayed there. Uh, it, but she also went down to Mount Vernon, which I've never done. Uh, and she went to- Oh, she also Mount to, Vernon. Yeah, I've never been. I want to go. But it was, it was just really cool. my guy. It was really cool to uh, it was really cool to just finally get to walk around the Capitol. I, obviously, you still can't go through the Capitol complex because it's still fenced off. Mm -hmm. uh, but it was still cool to to walk around. Uh, I mean, I walked around right in front of the Supreme Court, which reminded me of the old days, like yeah. uh, you know, in the long, long ago, in the before time, before COVID. So uh, hopefully, as uh, as COVID continues to dissipate and as uh, the tensions on the Hill relax a little bit more because they are slowly relaxing at least in terms of january 6th certainly not on the other on other things uh it, it's it the, the the hill will open up a little bit more and you can i can start going doing my uh pre-covid routine which was basically just dropping into congressman Loudermilk's office and stealing all the cherry coke zero i want and peanuts. Uh, <laughs> north carolina peanuts i i didn't really like the georgia peanuts the north carolina peanuts are a far superior product get the product. hell out of here <laughs> I mean, I, you know, look, I, there's I've no, never had them. So I can't, I'm there, not, I'm, there is I'm no office Georgia. on the, there is no office on the Hill that, that, that uh, gives out diet Pepsi, like Georgia gives out Coke. 
Uh, although the Texas offices do have Diet Dr. Pepper, if I recall. What is it? Crack Coca-Cola. <laughs> no, sir. <laughs> but uh, but with that, I do want to note before we go also that we had a, a sad, some sad news today. Former Secretary of Defense Donald Rumsfeld passed away this afternoon, mm-hmm. or at least today. I don't know if it was this afternoon. So uh, uh, condolences to his family. But uh, anybody else got anything for the good of the order before we officially uh, sign off here? We're not oh, doing Hawks, that right that ranked president's thing. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, it's not really Georgia based unless you want to talk about Jimmy Carter, Jimmy Carter being in the middle of the pack somehow. That's amazing to me. Yeah. Thanks for the reminder. So yeah. So there was a C-SPAN today had the, the new listing. It's a historian survey uh, of, of the presidents that we've uh, of, of the United States presidents uh, going through 45 Donald Trump. Uh, number one on the list is Lincoln, two, Washington, three, FDR, four, Theodore Roosevelt. Eisenhower rounds out the top five. You mm-hmm. also got Truman, Jefferson, Kennedy, Reagan, Obama. Uh, that is yeah. the rest of the top ten. Uh, we'll, How we'll, is Obama we, even we, we, close we, we, to Reagan? We, 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 will come, we will come back to that. The bottom five uh, starting at number at – number, um, I guess the bottom, yeah, the bottom five starting with uh, number 40, William Henry Harrison. Donald Trump, Franklin Pierce, Andrew Johnson, and James Buchanan. So, uh, but Trump loses out to Hoover. Where's Nixon? Nixon. He's only way down there, isn't he? Uh, so that's actually a really good point. Where is Nixon? He's like in the middle. the 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 rubric they're using. He's 30, 31. Yeah, I mean, thirty one. The bottom third. So, the question I have is, they're 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 surveying historians. First of all. How, if you look at the historical rankings that, you know, this is on C-SPAN, we'll, we'll post the link so you guys can see what we're talking about. For a long time, they had, they had FDR ahead of George Washington. Like, yeah. And it's only recently that George Washington took over the number two spot. Yeah. In 2000, the 2000 survey, cause they show the previous three. So they show this year's in the previous three. So in 2000, uh, FDR was ranked number two and Washington was ranked number three, but Washington has been number three now for the third or no, excuse me, number two for the third consecutive, uh, survey. And, and, by the way, if I was ordering this, it would look much, much different. Yeah, it definitely would if I was as well, because Andrew Jackson is uh, indescribably high on this. Yes, list. he is. Yeah. Um, about Wilson, yeah. I bet Woodrow Wilson is is way, way too high. He should He's be like 13. He should parentally be 45. He is, he, he is th- 46 ah, yeah, and 47. I don't know about yeah. I don't know about that. He's number thirteen. I, I do oh. know that I do that that George W. Bush has has moved up because when this first came out uh after he left office in 2009 he was ranked 36 he's now ranked 29 yeah good uh jimmy jimmy carter was ranked 22 when this first came out he is now 26 yeah so he's going down w should be going up i you know i don't bill clinton was a little too high uh clinton's fallen off some he he was started out well he started out in 2000 he was ranked 21 that was uh like he was i don't know why they ranked him technically his I guess his last, well, I guess that makes sense. Trump got ranked this year. So he was 21, then he dropped down to 14, then uh, dropped down to 15, or excuse me, went up to 14, then went down to 15, and now is at 19. But Barack Obama at number 11, right behind 10. Ronald Reagan. No, 10. 10? Right behind Ronald Reagan, right? Yep, 10. Mm-hmm. Uh, is amazing to me. Uh, you know, that I, I, I was floored when I looked at it. I was like, holy cow, how is Barack Obama even close to Ronald Reagan? 
Yeah, and I think a lot of people, I sent this around to a couple of friends today. They said Coolidge got gypped too because he's listed yeah. 20, 24th, which is actually higher than he was ranked in 2000. He was 27 in 2000. But he did make my, the list of biggest movers, right? Coolidge <laughs> did. So yeah. did uh, Grant. Grant, I think, uh, climbed many spots. So I yeah, kind of reassess but, but Grant his. Grant was like scandal ridden, right? I mean, he, I, yeah, he was. So, he was and and like the, the i guess the the one that if, like if i was doing this my top five would probably be would probably be cleveland for the sheer fact that he vetoed more legislation than any president other than fdr uh, but of course fdr served three full terms uh so he would be number one coolidge would probably be number two uh i don't know it gets tricky when it gets to number three i i, I don't know i would probably say probably ah god that's a tough one I, they all sucked after that. Can I just say that I just have a top two and that's it. Washington sucked. Are you serious? Get out of here. I mean, I would, I would, no, I mean, I actually, I am not the Washington fan that you guys are. <laughs> because uh, you hate America. <laughs> no, I mean, well, I mean, look, not, not only did, not only did he make, he make uh, Alexander Hamilton secretary of the treasury and Hamilton, yeah, Hamilton had a, had a very, uh, is what you know that the american capitalism and although i'm a big fan of free market capitalism i would dare say that what hamilton envisioned as american capitalism is not what i envision very as, different. as yeah. is very different it's very mercantilist uh protection yeah. protectionist even uh yeah. so not a huge fan of that and also you know i mean hamilton was just a snake in the grass so there's that so uh, how do you feel about jefferson then you know i have mixed feelings on jefferson in his presidency, because I think generally speaking, he was fine until you get to the, towards the end of his presidency, when his, his answer towards the brewing tensions in Europe was to close off trade with everyone. And, and that didn't seem, I mean, he, he thought so little of his presidency, he didn't even want to include it on his tombstone. So yeah, I mean, Jefferson would probably be still in the top five, but, but I mean, it's, it's hard for me to go like who to rank them, you know, I, I, yeah, it's hard for me to rank them. I mean, if I, I, I was going to rank them. I'd I have a soft spot for, I have a soft spot like for Reagan. Yeah. Really? <laughs> no, Reagan would definitely be top top five for me. Yeah, Reagan would probably be top five for me. Although I have qualms about his presidency, he, there was a lot of good stuff that came out of it too. Yeah, I mean, there were things. Obviously, all of them had to deal with things that you know, in a historical context, we have the benefit of looking backwards and saying, "Well, that was probably not the right thing to do at the mm -hmm. time." But as human beings, when you're in a when you're in an elected position, you have to make decisions based on the information you have at the moment. You know, mm -hmm. I can look back at my own legislative career and say there were certain things I was wrong about. At the yeah. time, I felt like I was right. But now I look back on it and it's like, mm, maybe I wasn't right about that. Buzz, I want to give you a chance to weigh in here because I know you have you have some presence. So I have a couple of things I want to note before we take off. Yeah, I, I, I think I, I guess in my top five, I'd put Washington number one just because it had never been done before. And he had the foresight to say to step down, step away from power when really it was there were many, many who were offering it to him. He could have been president for life if he'd have wanted to. And that would have set a bad precedent. So uh, just just on that, um, I think I put Lincoln number two, just because he, uh, I know that's controversial in some quarters, but uh, he saved the union. And, uh, um, you know, we, we, <laughs> things will be a whole lot different uh, if he had not been there. Uh, for me, uh, I, I put Reagan number three, and I'd put uh, Coolidge number four, and uh, for five, boy, I don't know. That's where it gets tough. Eisenhower. Yeah, Eisenhower. Look, I mean, yeah, I mean, 
he he was underappreciated at the time, I think. But as you look back and you see uh, things he did, things he wanted to do, things that he, you know, the legacy he left was pretty strong. So yeah, Eisen I, Ike at number five is pretty pretty good. Yeah, I would I would adopt Buzz's list as my own with Eisenhower at five. So I do note that Nixon, because we were we noted Nixon earlier, he is in the the bottom third, but he's you know number thirty one. Just in given the last four years, it yeah. is it is kind of surprising he's as high as he is given the parallels that were drawn between him and Donald Trump and the yeah. the, the corruption and scandal that plagued both administrations. Uh, so I'm, I'm kind of I, I think that's pretty interesting that he's he's mm-hmm. he's as high as he is. Uh, also, I think, you know, there were consequential things that he did. Um, you know, the EPA, he, the Department of Education. Well, so they well, actually yeah, bad bad things too. Yeah, uh, well, but, in the EPA. Uh, yeah. So, but like, look, looking at, and he also started the war Vietnam. He started the war on drugs too. Uh, yeah, which you know, which has been consequential as well. But like, so they break it out into individual individual categories, uh, ca- leadership character characteristics. Mm-hmm. So yeah, public persuasion, crisis leadership, economic management, moral authority, international relations, administrative skills, relations with Congress, virg- uh, uh, vision setting slash setting an agenda pursued equal justice for all performance within context of the times he actually ranks really high on international relations he's middle of the pack on on the top three persuasion leadership economic management he's relations with congress very low moral authority very very low Uh, and that's and that's interesting also in the confines of, of donald trump trump his highest his highest leadership characteristic is public persuasion then he that yeah, I, mean, I, I can. I can too. Uh, he, he has. He built a uh, very loyal following. You know. Yeah, uh, I, I, a lot of presidents would envy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I can too. And his 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 uh, economic management is he's thirty four, which, you know, I don't think he gets enough credit for. I mean, he didn't. I mean, I don't. I think he was indifferent in terms of what policies were pursued, but his administration deregulation, tax cuts. I yeah. give him credit for those things where they're due. But on handle every- COVID better, uh, you know, that would have had a better. It probably would have risen, you know, uh, caused him to rise up higher on that ranking too, because the economy wouldn't have been hammered as much. Moral authority, administrative skills, relations with Congress, uh, performance within the context of history. He's either he's at he's near the bottom. He's he's like at or near the bottom. Uh, the one the one that I think uh, is is pretty notable, and I'm actually surprised he didn't score a little lower was crisis leadership. Yeah. Uh, but moral authority, moral authority really striking because well, you have to compare him in context to other presidents and how they handled crises, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, and you can, you can look at all that stuff uh, on the, uh, on the page, which we'll link to uh, at peachpunnet.com. You can see, you can see who, who ranks worse and the people who rank worse, Franklin Pierce, Andrew Johnson, James Buchanan. And Johnson, I would argue in the, in the context of history had a lot more to deal with than Donald Trump did. <laughs> yeah. <he> did. yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, he did. He was trying to. But these things, know, it's, it's it's really tough to judge. I mean, I, I think it's it's yeah. You know, we'll see Trump's ratings change over time because you'll start. I mean, there there are things that he did. For, his impact on the Supreme Court is enormous. Uh, the the Abraham Accords uh, that he signed. You know, if those hold, uh, the tremendous impact on history. So I think, you know, it's tough to judge. Uh, it's tough to do presidents a year after they've uh, 
they've left office, whether you yeah, like I, them or not. Yeah, I mean, immediately upon leaving office is, is when they're all really bad guys, right? And it's like the old yeah, Batman quote, you know, uh, you can you can um, die a hero or live long enough to see yourself become the villain, and yeah, two-term presidents become the villain eventually. Yep. And, and it's only in time that we see the context of the decisions and, and the real impact. And again, we, we, we've already noted George W. Bush, when he left office, he came in at 36. And today we view he's number 29. He's moved up. Mm-hmm. He's still, he's still, you know, middle, like the, the bottom of the middle, but maybe, yeah. maybe leading off the bottom third. How about this guy? <laughs> Where's he at? I can't, I can't, I can't tell who that is. It's my little figurine of, of President uh, Bush. H.W. H.W. Bush. Yeah. He is he is number twenty one. Uh, he ranks just two spots below Clinton, and right he's he is uh, in grand a sandwich between them. Uh, <laughs> so uh, yeah, so he's he but he's he stayed relatively stable. When in two thousand he was twenty, in two thousand nine he was number eighteen, two thousand seventeen he was number eighteen or excuse me number twenty, and then this year he's twenty one. So, but like I said, we'll post this uh, at peachfunded.com for those of you who are who are just listening to us rather than watching us. Yeah. Uh, Anyway, make sure you download, uh, like, subscribe, all the things, Apple Podcasts, uh, and uh, check this out on YouTube, uh, and make sure you're visiting peachfund.com. We don't post every day, but when we do post, it's usually something interesting. So, uh, Buzz, hope you continue feeling better. Scott, I mean, you're all right. I love you too, bro. I love you too. Y'all have a good one. Happy Independence Day weekend. Go Hawks. Indeed, go Hawks, because even I'm checking the scores to see what's going on. <laughs> All right. Buzz has me, me checking NBA scores. That's amazing. Love it, man. Actually, you're the reason I know. Buzz is the sole reason I know whether how the Hawks are doing. Because yeah. it's I, either I on Buzz on Twitter. So, yeah, I know. Too. Yeah, it's either it's either Buzz on, on Facebook or, or Buzz on Buzz. I'm on loving Twitter. it, man. This is the most exciting Atlanta sports thing in, in, that I could for me ever. I will not. I will not buy an Atlanta Hawks jersey of a current player because I know nothing about them. But I would go buy Dominique Wilkins jersey. Go get a um, uh, Okongu jersey, man. Who? Number seventeen. I thought Trey Young was like the the, the hero. yeah, he's a star. But man, rookie from USC, double O, man, he's he's playing it. He's playing a great. There, there great, are th- great minutes every night. It's awesome. There, there are three jerseys of of Hawks players I would buy: Dominique, Spud Webb, and Kevin Willis. Spud Webb all day go. long. Yeah. Spud Webb all day long because I'm only like two, three yeah. inches taller than he is. Yeah. <laughs> but he could still dunk over you at his. He could yeah. still dunk over me at his current height. Five times the vertical. Yeah, I mean he was my hero too, and five times my vertical leap. But uh, Dude, what was it? Me. He. He won the like the eighty six slam dunk contest, didn't he? he did. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he sure did. Yeah, because yeah. he, yeah, that dude, he's a badass. He's a badass. <laughs> he was. He was. Spud he Webb. Spud Webb. You have a standing invitation to join the Peach Planet <laughs> podcast, so we can talk about how what it was like to be a short man in the NBA and to win the slam dunk contest. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, with that, happy Independence Day weekend. We'll see you guys soon. Yep. Bye, y'all. <laughs>